Welcome to the Dr. Francis Miles podcast. Dr. Miles will share prophetic words, insights, and revelation about some of the toughest topics in the Bible. Dr. Miles also has a healing ministry, birthed out of his own powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, and has seen many set free through his crusades and meetings. Tune into today's episode and be blessed by a fresh take from this anointed minister of the gospel. Now, I'm studying a series today, praise God. And the series that I'm studying is titled, Unveiling the Mysteries of the Melchizedek Priesthood in the New Testament. Unveiling the Mysteries of the Melchizedek Priesthood in the New Testament. Jesus taught us very clearly in Matthew 13 that it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So it has been given to us, those of us who are born again, those of us who are now in Christ Jesus, who have been regenerated by coming to Christ, it has been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Because the the reality is, if you don't know the mystery of the kingdom, then by default you you are left to live with the principles of the rudiments of this world. And you know, you can succeed in this world using human principles to to a degree. But if you're going to have kingdom success... Most importantly, if you're going to walk with God in your lifetime, then then it's incumbent upon you. It behooves you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom so you can operate effectively in this ecosystem called the kingdom of God. And I believe one of those mysteries is understanding this Melchizedek priesthood of Jesus. So we're going to be looking at several New Testament scriptures that allude to that mystery. And allow us, as we examine scripture after scripture, your understanding of this priesthood of all believers, the Melchizedek priesthood, is going to increase exponentially, praise God. And I believe your work with Jesus is going to change. Because understand something, whatever, whatever you understand about Jesus, you begin to become. This is why the devil doesn't, want, doesn't mind you getting more information, he just minds you getting revelation. Because the truth of the matter is the devil is not afraid of information. He's, ma- he's, mastered, he's mastered the art of using information to actually means to inform people. This is why we can have uh, people that have got Harvard degrees, who've gone to Ivy League universities, or the best Oxford in the world, and yet still believe that we came from monkeys. We came from, the, from one big explosion. You know, they can still hold on to, Darwin, to, to Darwinism. You know, we are thinking, my God, this guy is a scholar. Really? I mean, yeah, I don't have to go to, to be, I don't have to be a rocket scientist or go to school to know that, that the Darwinism doesn't make any sense, especially in the time we are living in where quantum physics, you know, really are showing us it's impossible for the laws of quantum physics to have come together just by one big explosion. Such orderliness can never come from that. But that's how the enemy can use information. But what he cannot touch, what he cannot take from you is revelation. That's why I believe in trafficking in revelation. Because I believe that revelation is, is our hope for transformation. So I'm praying to God that as you're watching through this show, as you keep up with us, that the revelations coming from this program are going to animate your journey in the kingdom to a whole new level. 
and bring you to a whole new level of connection with God you've never had before. Praise God. So listen, I understand the business of, our li of life today. So there's the possibility you want to follow the series, you are excited about the series, but I don't want you to leave it to chance. So I want you to DVR, DVR right now while you are watching, DVR this show so you don't miss anything. Because this series is going to be amazing. So if you miss when we are actually live on Faith TV or any other TV network we are on, if you miss that particular time, you can always go to your DVR, praise God, thank God for technology, and keep up with the series because it's going to be so connected. So you don't want to miss anything. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if you, if you don't have a DVR, you can always get my shows on, on, uh, on uh, our YouTube channel, Francis Mouse International, because when we air them live on television, anywhere in the world, then we drop them on our YouTube channel. So that's another way you can, you, you can get them if you miss any of this series. Praise God. Amen. So this is series number one in the series, Unveiling the Mysteries of the Melchizedek Priesthood in the New Testament. Praise God. So we are going to begin with one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible concerning the priesthood of all believers. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 declares, But you are, a chosen, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the presence of him who, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. I love it. You see, Peter comes out of orthodoxy. You know, even though now he's a follower of Jesus, you must understand Peter is a Jew. You know, he was bamisfed when he was 13. You know, he grew, up, he grew up around the rabbis. He grew up around the Levitical priestly order of Aaron. So he understood the Aaronic priesthood. He first, if, if foremost, he understood that he was not a Levite himself because Peter doesn't come from the tribe of Levi. So that's why he was a fisherman. Levites were never fishermen because they were working in the temple. They were busy. They had a career already set out for them in the temple of God. The fact that Peter was a fisherman when Jesus found him clearly tells us he was not from the tribe of Levi. So he was one of the other tribes. So if anybody understood that as a non-Levite, even as Jewish as he was, he was not invited. He had no place at the table of the priesthood in the Levitical order or the priesthood of Aaron, it is Peter. So when Peter writes that you are a chosen generation, talking to all of us, those who have come to faith in Christ Jesus, when he says we are a chosen generation, then he uses his word, a royal priesthood. Now for a Gentile, that might pass about, that might pass through, might go through one ear, go through the other one, and it's not a big deal. But it's, this is a big deal, because understand something. You know, Paul says that, Paul says that Paul describes the apostolic ministry, his apostolic ministry versus that of Peter in the book of Galatians when he actually says that the one who worked mightily in Peter towards the Jewish people worked mightily in Paul towards the Gentiles. So that means that Peter was primarily a Jewish apostle. His primary message was, was to the, the Jewish believers that were coming into faith to make them understand that following Yeshua was not heresy. It was a continuation of this long journey that they had been on as a, as a body of people. From Abraham all the way to Moses, all the way to Jesus. You know, he was trying, there's a continuation of the same journey. 
So Peter was an apostle to the Jewish people. So primarily his letters were written to, the Jewish, to Jewish believers, not Gentiles. Now, of course, all scripture is inspired by God, so we can all enjoy what he wrote. But, but with that in mind, then you must understand why, why, he, why he said royal priesthood. Because he understood by just saying that one word, we are a royal priesthood. That every Jewish believer from any other tribe, tribe of Benjamin, Judah, you know, Ephraim, all the other tribes would know, oh my God, are you telling me there is another priesthood? They would know immediately. They would know immediately that he was not talking about the priesthood of Levi. Why? Because they grew up knowing they were not part of that priesthood. They knew they were not allowed to be on the table of the priesthood in that dimension. But he's saying you have been chosen to become a royal priesthood. That means it's a different order from Levi. So he, right there we begin to see the, 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 the Melchizedek priesthood appearing in the new covenant. The mystery of this priesthood is being unveiled. That we are a royal priesthood. Now, why is that important? Because you see, in the, in the Levitical order, in the priesthood of Levi, in the priesthood of Levi, the Levites had no royal bloodline running through them. You don't find one Levitical king in the entire Bible because the Levites were not even allowed to, into, to, to enter politics. So essentially, they couldn't even engage the marketplace. Okay, they, were, they weren't even given land. Land was the currency for entering the marketplace to do trading. They were not given that. They were given the tithes and offerings of the people of God. So I wanted to understand that. So listen. This is powerful stuff. So these Jewish believers understood he is definitely not talking about the priesthood of Levi. You know, in the economy of God, in the anthropology of Scripture, what you find that the only time in the Bible you find a royal priest, a priest who's also a king. Because you cannot be a royal priest unless you have got royalty running in your blood. You see, if, if Queen Elizabeth became a priest tomorrow, if she was consecrated to the priesthood, she would, she would elevate the priesthood to a higher level dimension. Her kingship, her royalty, would raise the priesthood to a very high level. Because she's first royal, priest second. So she elevates the priestly ministry by bringing her royalty to the table. So if you're a royal priest, then whosoever is the high priest of that priesthood has to be a monarch. He has to be a king first. Only a king can produce a royal priesthood. So, they, so this is very powerful what, what Peter is saying. Now, if you are Jewish and you know the Tanakh, that's the old covenant, you know the only place where there is a king priest is in the encounter Father Abraham had with Melchizedek. He was the only priest king in the entire Tanakh. There is no other in, uh, priest in the Tanakh. That means the Old Testament scriptures, as the Jewish people understand it, that had a priesthood where royalty was passing in the middle of the priesthood, or royalty was the driving technology behind the priesthood except Melchizedek. So clearly Peter is telling them, hello, we are now in that dispensation of time where we are no longer subjects to the, to the lower priesthood, earthbound priesthood of Levi. Glory to God, we have now been elevated to become priest of God Mosai in the same order as Abraham our father. That's a powerful statement. 
powerful statement. Unfortunately, many Christians, many pastors, God bless their hearts. I know they mean well. For the lack of revelation concerning the Melchizedek priesthood, most pastors at churches operate like Levites. They operate like the Levitical order. And it's very clear in the theology of the church, in their emphasis of the church, they are overemphasis on the, on the importance of the local church, you know, as the ecosystem of God's kingdom. But the truth of the matter is in the order of Melchizedek, the church is a training engine within an ecosystem called the kingdom. And so the priesthood is much bigger. It's much more loftier than you just being a deacon or an elder in the church. How about being a doctor who can prophesy in your medical practice when somebody with cancer comes in and they get healed on your operating table? They didn't have to go to church to get that. That's, that's another dimension of priesthood. How about being a politician, being able to give a word to a president you meet at the, you meet at the United Nations and you give them a word that turns their life before they get on a private plane? How, what kind of priesthood is that that can arrest people in their domain of influence. That is the Melchizedek priesthood. It's a priesthood of a king. Because one thing about a king, you can't tell a king where he cannot go. You can restrict a pastor to the church. You can restrict even a bishop to a congregation or a network of churches. But boy, you try that with the king, you are finished. Because a king owns everything within their domain. So when he wants to speak to health policy, he can make health policy. When he wants to get public policy, the king can get public policy. When the king wants to speak to business, like when Jesus came to Peter's fishing business and found out that they, they caught nothing they, because he was a king, not just a priest. He could say, Peter, I, I'm going to change your business strategy. You are not catching anything because your business strategy is desperate in need of reform. I need to show you. I'm going to change you, change even where you fish because your target market is wrong. I mean, a king can do that. And then he, Peter says, but Lord, we fished all night. Yes, you fished all night. But I'm speaking with the voice of a king who controls everything. And before you know it, Peter has, has a, his business is transformed. He's got all kind of fish in the butt. As a matter of fact, do you know it was that miracle that made Peter follow Jesus? Listen, Pete, Jesus healed Peter's business before he healed Peter's soul. Is there a priesthood like that? Maybe that's why we're not effective in touching the world. We are telling, we are telling the Peters of this world to come to Jesus when their business is sinking and collapsing, and all they can think about is, uh, is I'm in debt with this person. What about if I don't meet that, those budget lines, uh, my loan is going to get caught on me. They are not thinking about going to heaven, I'm telling you. They are in trouble. They are sinking. How about a priesthood that can change the strategy of the business, heal the business, and say, now, if I can heal your business, can I heal you, Peter? And Peter nailed down and says, depart from me because I'm a sinner. This is the priesthood that Peter is now talking about when he says, you are a chosen generation. You are part of a royal priesthood. I don't know where you're coming from, but I'm here to tell you, you are part of a royal priesthood. So don't look at yourself, don't look at yourself lower than God sees you. Get over that inferiority complex. The devil is a liar because God has gone out of his way to elevate you, to make you, a, uh, to give you a table, a chair on the table of kings and priests unto God. This is why this series on unveiling the mysteries of the Melchizedek priesthood in the New Testament is a series you don't want to miss because we're just getting started. And we are literally just getting started.
Peter goes on now to tell us about the, the, the assignment, the, the activities of that royal priesthood, which we won't get into. For now, I'll, I'll reserve it. I'm going to round back to this in a different series about the work of the priest, the activity, the daily activities of the priests of the Melchizedek order. There's a daily activity that, that, that God prescribes in the scripture and others that we're going get, to get into. But I hope you're getting excited. I hope you're saying that the mouse, I want to understand this order of Melchizedek. I had no idea it's loaded throughout the Bible. See, the thing about Revelation, once you see something, you see it everywhere. Have you noticed that before you bought the car you're now driving, you never used to see it? But as soon as you saw it and you bought it, now it's like everybody decided that same week to buy your car. The only difference is those people are already driving that car. But you're just now conscious of that car on the road because it looks like yours. That's how Revelation is. Once you see it, you see it. You see the light bulbs all over scripture. They're all over. They connect me. I can go into any book of the Bible and show you the Melchizedek priesthood. I can show it to you. It's so clear to me because I see it. And my prayer to you that you come to a place where you see it in yourself, in others, and most importantly, in the Holy Scriptures. Well, I mean, that, that brings us to the book of Revelation. We want to connect this idea that, that Peter is talking about, this issue of the royal priesthood. Let's connect another idea. Now, John the Revelator. John is another apostle that walked with Jesus. But he also infers the Melchizedek priesthood. Some people tell me that the Mouse, the Bible does not say a lot about the, the Melchizedek order. Mm -hmm. Only if you completely ignore the book of Hebrews and you completely ignore the every inference in the Bible. And oh, by the way, if you completely ignore how Jesus operated in the new covenant when he was not a Levite. If you can just ignore everything Jesus did as a priest. So many things Jesus did as a priest in the new covenant. If you can just ignore that, then, then I agree with you. The Bible has nothing to say about the order of Melchizedek. Very little. If you ignore all of that. But you see in the scripture, this is why it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. God does not have to directly say something because a lot, a lot of principle is inferred. And you have, if, you, if you find it inferred in so many places, it's a dominant principle. And you can only ignore it at your own peril. And the church is suffering today for not understanding this body of truth, this element in the room called the Melchizedek priesthood of, our, of Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 to 6 tells us something. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now, when I say kings of the earth, immediately because of our religiosity, our church mindset, we already move into thinking, oh, the kings of the earth is talking about uh, Queen Elizabeth and others. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the case. If you read the Bible in context, the kings of the earth, God is inferring, is his own, is his own, is his own people. His own people. Because the next verse is very clear. He explains, just in case you don't understand the kings of the earth. Yes, it's true that God, Christ, is Lord over the Queen of England and others. I get it. But the truth is, if you're, if you're living today, there are very few monarchs left anyway. There are more presidents, prime ministers than monarchs. But look at this. Verse, verse, he says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to, God, to his God and the Father. 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever since. You are the king is king of. My God. You are the king, you are the king is king of. So the celebratory fact that he's the king of kings is not inferencing. Because some of these monarchs on earth don't even follow Jesus. Some of them literally are saving the other king, the king of, the king of darkness. That's the truth. But the kings that Jesus esteems highly. See, the problem with us, we esteem politicians. We think they're a big deal because we live in the world of men. We are impressed by their titles and their political power. But the truth, Jesus was not, was, Jesus was not even impressed with Pontius Pilate. Come on. He didn't even talk to the guy. The guy said, I can set you free. He says, hey, let me put you in a place. You can't set me free. But as a matter of fact, you would have no power over me if it was not given from you from above. I mean, after Pontius Pilate heard that, I mean, he freaked out. He said, he went back. I find nothing wrong with this man because he realized, oh, my God, I'm dealing with a higher power. You see, Jesus was not even impressed with Pontius Pilate. We get impressed with presidents. Now, we got to give them the respect because we live in the world of men. I get it. But my point is, Jesus was not impressed with politicians. He was impressed by his own people. The Lord is very impressed with you. <laughs> the problem is you think so unworthily of yourself. You can't get over your self-pity. Always thinking that you are all of this thing. But let me tell you something. Jesus thinks a lot about you. You are highly esteemed by the one who died for you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at francismiles.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. May God bless you today and always.